Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Um, I do this at when I'm in, like, <clears throat> I'm in, like, major meetings at work with, like, the executives and stuff. What happened? I'm outnumbered. I mean, you're outnumbered. This is a men's meeting this evening. Well, just like a synagogue. Right there, there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. So we're going to do it like this. Um, in the future or going forward, probably it would be a good idea if you bring like a little notebook. And I do this at major meetings with executives and top management where I work. Um, so as they're putting out info, I'm sitting here writing on a tablet. Anything that comes up, a question, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what's up with that? I don't need clarification. And when they finish putting out all the info, they open it up. They, they have a notepad on their phone they can write too. There you go. Okay. Thank you very much. Notepads if you want. Anyway, so. The, the point being that so we can get through this, that when I finish, we got plenty of time, believe me, we got plenty of time, so that you can, hey, look, these are the questions I had during the, you know, during the time that you're teaching, and we can go over them. And I, I invite you to have questions. <clears throat> Part of the way that the Jews learn, Jews have, Jews are highly intelligent, and God has given everybody intelligent, intelligence. But the way, the methods that they learn are very, very important because other people learn by lectures or they teach by lectures and always teaching and giving out, putting on information. Well, the Hebrew Jewish way of teaching, if you look at the Bible, it's asking questions. Jesus, when they would tell him or he would say something, they would come back and he would answer it with a question. Basically, Answer your own question. You'll come up with the answer. It's not that he was avoiding the answer, but that he was making them think. Anything that makes you think increases your ability to learn it, always. When so, and plus, when somebody poses a question to you, then you have to react. You can't just sit there like, oh, well. Because most times, remember in school, teacher's putting out this info, and half, half the time, you're just droning anyway. But guess what happens when they say, hey, Johnny, what's the answer? It's like, and you put on the spot, like, <laughs> wasn't paying attention. And they know that. So now you're put on the spot, like, oh, no idea. And they're all laughing at you because I give them an answer. That's fine. Four, four chapters behind wherever you're at. And like, ah, you moron. <laughs> so anyway, so I invite you to, to, to write down questions. Then afterward, we're going to uh, cover them. But it's important to have questions. It's important to have them answered. A lot of years, I didn't have them answered the right way. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. I have people like uh, Moises will send me texts at 2 o'clock in the morning. I work graveyards. <laughs> I work graveyard. <laughs> and so I'm going to hear my phone ding. I'm like, yeah, it's Moises. But then I have to check because I also have road supervisors out there on the field that will sometimes call me because they have a certain situation that came up in the middle of the night and I have to answer them. Um, but anyway, it, I, I do invite it because it, it actually shows that people aren't skirting the answers. Okay, So let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. Oh, and by the way, for those of you that are out there speaking English, when I'm out there in Spanish and having to translate, um, that was actually 
the way we did it, only backwards when we were in Central America. Here we had Panamanians that spoke Spanish wanting to come to the English services in the middle of uh, Balboa, where we were in the Panama City. And what we had was we had these apparatus that you have like at the United Nations, they'd put them on their ears. And they would listen as the preacher was preaching. I got the turn sometimes to sit way in the back. And as I'm sitting in the back, I had a microphone. And as the pastor way up there is teaching or preaching, I would translate into a microphone. And then it would go to the people that had the ear earphones on. And so <clears throat> it's backwards. Now here you got some in a Spanish setting translated English. So... Uh, Welcome to the experience of many around the world. Okay, okay. So chapter um, chapter two. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write: These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. We already covered that. What that means? I know your works and your labor, and your patience, and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them, or you have proven them, and they say they're apostles and they're not. And you found them to be liars. And you have, uh, you have borne, basically you have resisted or endured. And had patience, for my namesake, have labored, and you haven't fainted, you haven't given up. Okay? Uh, nevertheless, I have someone against you, because you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you are, from where you are fallen. I'm, I'm, I'm translating the words from the archaic uh, Old English to the modern. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your candlestick out of its place, except you repent. But this you have. Okay, he's sandwiching, like we said last week, good, the bad, and the good again about the church. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which we cover. Nicolaitans are those that set up hierarchies in the church. And also, it's been attributed to those that uh, say, well, you're under grace, so you can just do whatever you please. No, you can't. That's not right. If you have the Spirit of Christ in you, you don't look for reasons to just do what you want to do and say, well, I'm under grace, so I'm, you know, I'm saved anyway. So that's, you've got to check your salvation. If you have this attitude of like, well, I, I'm under grace, so I can just do what I want. And I'm going to go out there and sin like the rest of the world. And then you you better check what spirit you're that's actually abiding in your in your in your body in your heart, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, so we started covering last week, and again we'll we'll um, review. But he's saying, look, you're, you're supposed to be a candlestick. The church is represented by a candlestick. Candlestick has one function. Remember, you ever hear that saying, you had one job. Dude, you had one job and you blew it. Okay? Um, and a lot of times what happens is people forget the purpose and the reason why certain things exist or, fun or what their function is. And if you get away from it, then there's no reason for you to continue to exist as a business as a church or as anything else because you've left the very reason for your existence. So he's telling the churches, hey, you are represented by a candlestick. And a candlestick has a purpose, to give light, to give uh, clarity to what's being said or what's happening around you. Darkness represents evil, wrong, uh, error. 
And people do things in darkness to hide or to cover their true, uh, their true uh, endeavors, what they're trying to accomplish. We know thieves try to do things in the dark so they're not caught. Although as the days get darker, i.e. more evil, people are becoming brazen and doing things in the light. So we have to understand that as a church, if we're coming to church, there's one reason for it. But many, many churches have gotten away from the very purpose of why they exist. Some people have gotten away from the purpose of why they even come to church. It's a social event. Uh, they come for maybe to see or be seen. They come because, well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do my religious deed for the day. And I'm going to go home. I'm going to do God a favor. Well, you're not doing God any favors. You're not. He's doing you a favor. You're not doing God any favors. As a matter of fact, one day when you come before a judgment seat, whether if you're, if you're a Christian and you come before the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be judged for your life as a Christian. And you're either going to suffer loss as a Christian and humiliation in front of everybody or embarrassment because your, 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 um, your intentions, your motives are going to be exposed. And if the person is lost, they're going to appear before the great white throne judgment in, in, as, as it's described in Revelation chapter 20 of this book. And they're only going to be humiliated and embarrassed. They're going to be horrified because... There is no escape. Their true motives for whatever they did are going to be exposed. That they were never even re really Christian. They better have been religious. But they're lost. And they're going to be condemned to an eternity in hell. And people are playing with their eternity. They have no idea how bad it's going to be. There's a movie out now ta uh, talking about um, where Gerard, uh, whatever his name is, that played on 300 where the world is coming to an end, meteors are coming and destroying the earth, they're trying to get to this one place in Iceland to, to get to this bunker. Guess what, man? You're, there's nowhere you can hide. Because God's going to destroy the complete earth. There's nowhere you can hide. He's going to obliterate it. He's going to destroy it. And everybody that's alive is going to be transported to this place somewhere in the universe that we don't know. God didn't tell us. God didn't tell us a lot, a lot of things. He didn't tell us a majority of probably things. Because he's given us what we need to understand to go forward toward the light, to go forward toward what's right. But there's a lot of things here that God hasn't told us. But there's a place established for judgment one day for everyone that's ever survived, lived, or excuse me, ever existed. And it's going to be before all the angels of heaven. It's going to be before everybody that's known you, your mother, father, sister, brother, everybody, your friends. Everybody's going to be there and see your judgment. And the books are going to be open, and your entire life is going to be revealed. Every, every embarrassing thing, everything you ever said, everything you ever thought, everything you ever did, it's going to be exposed. There's nothing going to be hidden. Nothing. Jesus said whatever has been uh, said in secret is going to be shouted from the rooftops. Whatever thing was, was done in the darkness is going to be brought to light. There's nothing you have ever done, said, or thought that will not be uncovered that day. And God then will say, this was what your life was. This is the book of life. Your life doesn't appear there. And so, guess what? And, and then here is the law. There's three books at least. This was your life, your history, your book, your biography. This is the book of life where the names are written that are actually going to be able to get in. Like me and my family, we had reservations to go to Red Lobster today. I called ahead and made reservations so we can be in there. And they said, yeah, your name appears. Come with us. And I was able to go in. We tried a few other places and said, no, you got to have a reservation. And reservations, we don't have any more reservations. 
So if you don't have your reservation now to get into heaven, and that day comes and they close the doors, you're not getting in. Never, ever. You're not going to go. And guess what? Your friends, relatives, and so forth that are not saved, they're not going either. They're not. There's, and I'll, I have so much that I could communicate to you from different books of the Bible that reveal things to us that you'd be like, oh man, that's what that means? Yeah, that's what it means. But one day you're going to be judged and everything's going to be brought to light. And so God is telling us, hey, the light reveals everything. Sometimes if I don't have glasses and I can't read a small word, I'll pull up my phone, turn on the light. You know what the light does? It helps define the contrast between the white page and the black letters. And now I can read better. Sometimes I don't need a magnifying glass. I just pull out my, my phone. I put the light on it. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I can see it better now. Why? Because the light defines things better. And so the, the church is supposed to be a candlestick. A light. And he tells us, you're supposed to maintain yourself to your first love. And do the first works. You've, he's telling this church, hey, you've got all these great works. Yeah, you're, I, kudos for you. But the main emphasis of the church and of your life, you've gotten away from. And what does he tell them? He tells them, repent. Turn back to the original intent of the church. The church isn't here for social justice. There's only one kind of justice. Justice. There is no, well, you know, this poor guy. No, no, justice is justice. In the Old Testament, he said, don't, don't go with the multitude just because they're the multitude. They're, they're in the right. No, they're not. No, they're not. The Bible says that only a few will get in. Many are called, but few are chosen. So you can forget about this, this thing about the many, the many are in the right. No, many, the, the majority are in the wrong. Most of the time, the majority are in the wrong. This thing about um, democracy, that came up in Greece. The Greeks, the same ones that, that butchered Jews for their faith, that split women wide open, pulled out their babies, that hung women's babies around their neck after they'd killed them because they were following the Judaic rituals. Evil people. You know, we look at the, uh, we looked at the Spartans as, oh, they're great, they stood against the Persians. That's that version of history. You don't know the real version of history. The Spartans were evil. They were like Nazi, they were Nazi-like. They took their babies when they, they looked at them early and they, they didn't look like the master race. They sent them out to die and they sent them out there to, 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 to die of hunger and exposure in, in this valley where there's nothing but babies. They were Nazi-like. They weren't these heroes that everybody makes them out to be. They were very evil to their own people, the, the, the Spartans were. It was the Persians at that time. Today they're Iran, wholly different place. No different than a good pharaoh that, that raised up, you know, that, that promoted Joseph compared to the pharaoh later that wanted to kill all the babies in, 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 in Egypt that were Jewish. But back then, the Persians actually were very accommodating to everybody's faith. Hey, that's your faith. Go ahead. Live it. They actually helped the Jews rebuild and restore their, their city of Jerusalem and, and the, 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 the temple. It was Cyrus that's talked about in the book of Isaiah that God already foretold would do that. So be careful how you look at history. You need to look at history under the microscope in the light of the Bible, not what people say, because it's all twisted. And so here he's telling them, repent, get back to the truth. Get back to the truth. What's the truth? What's the first love? What is supposed to be our first love? Look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Matthew 22 you put a, a page block in there for myself. I'll tie it there. Look at Matthew 22. 
Matthew 22, verse 37. This is Jesus telling him. And he, and he says, actually, let's look at verse 36. Somebody says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? They're trying to trick him. They're trying to, you know, trying to see if he knows what he's talking about. Always test testing him, trying him. But they're, ta- they're actually asking the creator of the universe that knows what they're thinking ahead of time. That created everything. You can't outsmart him. Come on. And so they're saying, Master. And notice they call him Master. They don't call him Lord. Because they refuse, many of them, to acknowledge that he is Lord. He's Adonai, El Elohim, uh, El Elyon. Those are Hebrew names that stand for the different attributes of God. They refused. And so here they say, Master, I teacher. Like you would say, Professor, which is the great commandment in the law. And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is unlike is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What is he saying? Hey, you're doing all these great works. You're doing all this social justice. You're doing all this charity work. How nice you forgot about Christ. You can look at the church this morning. The last song that we sang was, Oh, come all ye faithful. Where are the faithful? Where are the faithful? We came to, to adore Him. We came to worship Him. The day that He was born, when the angels announced it, the shepherds, the lowly shepherds came. But the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees that knew according to the Old Testament prophecy that in Bethlehem would be born Him that would rule in Israel... And they knew it because they told Herod in Matthew chapter 2. They knew it. Do you think they went? No, they didn't go. They, they said, oh, you, you know, you wise men, they're coming from the east, mostly from Persia, because that's where, um, where Daniel had influenced them with his knowledge and his understanding of the prophecies that were to come. They came seeking for, the, and to answer your question about the star, do I think it was the star of Bethlehem? I don't think so. That just appeared in heaven. Don't think so. Because if you read in the book, that star went contrary to the constellations. Completely contrary constellations. Somehow, it went backwards. And somehow, when the, the, the mag, magi, the wise men, came, it said it stood. It wasn't moving, man. God miraculously made this, this heavenly celestial planet star, whatever it is, stand above the place where Jesus was. That's not what this constellational star did. Oh, it was con- completely contrary to celestial routes and circuits of heavens. It was a very special star. What was it? Don't know. We'll not speculate because God didn't say. But those men came seeking the, the Messiah. But the others, do you think they came seeking the Messiah? They had the prophecy. They did not. How many Christians today know the Bible in their head, but in their hearts and in their lives... They're mediocre. They're mediocre. They're shallow. They're vague. They care more about the things of this world than the things about God. That's why many churches today, the faithful are not there. Oh, you'll go to some churches to have this great show. We used to go every once in a while to see the Christmas special at Central. The last time I went was the last time I'll go. It, it was a debacle. It was nothing but uh, trying to almost go into Cirque du Soleil. It was a big production show and naked half naked people and I'm like this isn't about Christ it's about entertaining people it has nothing to do with God 
It, it was it was sick. It was like it was disgusting. Won't go back. How can you do that? It's the day when you're supposed to be. So he says you have gotten away from your first love. In the book of Revelation, we're reading, understanding that God is re revealing the end times. And Jesus said to the disciples, He said, "When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth?" Because in the last days, men's heart will grow cold because evil will grow dark and darker. And evil men will get worse and worse. And the love of many will grow cold. Where does the love of many grow cold? It begins with God. The first ten commandments begin with your devotion to God. The first four. The other six have to do with your relationship with mankind. So guess what? They flipped it. They flipped it. This world has made evil good and good evil. So Jesus tells them, he says, you have left your first love. You've left your first love. What's the purpose of the church? Isn't it for me? Isn't it for God? Didn't I create you? Didn't I send you out as a light? Look at John chapter 6, the first work. John chapter 6. I want to jump ahead to the church of Laodicea and to say something I'm not going to. I'm going to fight that temptation to do that. But these, these are what, uh, what um, characterize the churches. And God is asking you to look at your church. What does it look like? Which church does it mostly look like? Uh, John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. And somebody here says, or they asked him, they said, uh, uh, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Age-old question. What do we got to do? That's like the Philippian jailer. What do I got to do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. How simple is that? What's the work that God wants me to do? And Jesus answered, verse 29, and said, He said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He has sent. That's it. Not just believe about Him, but believe Him. Look, if Jesus is telling you something in the Bible... Believe it. He says, you want to go to heaven? Not just believe about me, believe in me. Believe in me, believe what I told you, believe that I'm God. Worship me. Accept me, receive me as your king, your savior, your God. I am the, the, the I am that I am. That he, he told the Jews, he said, I am. And they fell back when they came to find him. He told the Jews in another place, I am. In italics, it's I am he. That's why they, they brought stones to, 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 to stone him to death, because he dared to say, I am. That is the I am of Moses that talked to Moses in the bush. Do you believe him? That's the first work. Do you believe what he said? And if you believe what he said, do you believe what the priorities are? To love God with all your heart, to love him, to worship him. And you know what the purpose of the church that he left us with? Go to Matthew chapter 28. Can you go to the bathroom? Go ahead. Go to chapter uh, 28 of Matthew. Matthew. Matthew 28. <clears throat> Verse 16. 
This is the last thing that he says to the church. The eleven disciples went away into Galilee, or went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. He says, "Hey guys, we got a meeting here that, that day, this time." And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. You know what? In many congregations today, there will be the true worshippers, and then there will be those that are like, well, "I'm not sure," they're skeptical. If it was then in his presence, what do you think now? If he chose 12 and one of them was Judas Iscariot, what about now? And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He has all the authority. He is the ultimate one. He is the El Elyon. El Elyon, it means the God Most High. Go ye therefore and teach all nations... Again, teach them what? Teach them what? Social justice? Teach them charity? No, teach them the fact that if they don't believe him, they're going to die and go to hell. You can do all the great works you want to do, but if you don't have Christ, you will be lost for eternity in hell. Because those good works will not save you. The Bible in the Old Testament says that their good works were as filthy rags because they're, they're sinners through and through. It's no different than Cain, who came to God trying to offer what he thought was the right thing to do. And God said, I'm not going to accept that. He didn't accept it. He accepted uh, Seth's, or excuse me, he accepted um, Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. Because it wasn't in the spirit. It wasn't right. It wasn't the blood sacrifice. He'd been told, hey, this is what, what, uh, what uh, is needed to, to, uh, you know, for the sin, to redeem from sin. The blood that represented, hey, when, when Christ, one day the Lamb of God will come and save the world and die for our sins. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I've commanded you, and I'm with you all even to the end of the world. I'm with you. If you're saved, I'm inside of you. I'm not going anywhere from you. I'm not leaving you. Teach them about me. You know what's going to happen? If you have Christ, you're going to do good things for people. Because He is a God that loves. He's a God that cares. He's a God that did good things. People put it backwards. Oh, we do good things. We're going to be right with God. No, no, no. You get right with God, and good things will flow through you. You'll be holy. You'll be just. You'll see things from God's point of view. But this world is so twisted around, they don't know which way they're going anymore. Uh, we've got, a pe we've got a, a people that we know that we're going to another church across town. Uh, where my son goes to church now. My other son. And they were great churchgoers. Thought there was a great church going family. Also, one of their daughters, you know, this manifests what she really is. Before it was a good looking family, went to church, they were in Sunday school, they were in church clothes, it's all great. Now that she's on her own, she de demonstrated what she was. She's weird, wicked, just perverse. And some dude that she's with, it was like, a pervert, a weirdo. And then she went even further down. She she went the way of Romans chapter 1. She left her, her, her natural use as a woman and now is married to another woman. And she calls herself a binary, I don't know what sex. What the heck is that? What is that? What is that? What happens is she's been given over to a reprobate mind. And now the crazy thing, her parents even attended the wedding. 
Who would do that? What person in their right conscience before God in heaven would, would sit there and accommodate that instead of saying, I will not do it, I will not go. I love God more than you. He that loves mother, father, sister, brother, son or daughter more than me isn't worthy of me. Because that person that you're accommodating was created by God. They belong to God more than they, they belong to you. But they have left their first love. All of a sudden, they demonstrated what was in their heart. They demonstrated who they are. You know what bad, time, what bad times does? It, it, it shows who people are. Trials show who you are. Easy to fool everybody when things are fine. Easy to fool everybody when you're going to church, looking apart, carrying your Bible. It's a different thing when now you start showing your convictions or what, or what convictions are not really yours. And God said, that's why you're a light. Shine a light. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Look at verse 14. Jesus is talking to the Christians. He's telling his disciples, he says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. How many of you have ever come from California at night and seen the lights of Vegas far before you ever get here? When I was a kid, it was even it was greater because now there's all these yellow lights that were put in years and years ago to discourage all the locusts that were here in the area when I was a kid because they were being drawn to the white lights. So it was even more when I was a kid, prominent. As me and my father are coming from California on a trip that we made to Los Angeles, we're coming back and we can see from a long, long time, a long time before we ever get to Vegas in a long distance, we can see the lights of Vegas in the distance, clear as, I mean, it's, why? In the night, Contrasted by the darkness, you can see the light. Let me ask you a question. Does this church, do you, are you in this church contrasted to the world around you? Is there a contrast? Is there a difference? If there is no difference, if the world, if the church is trying to be relevant with the world, to win the world, you have to ask yourself, who's converting who? Moses, by the commandment of God, spoke to the children of Israel and said, you convert them, but don't you convert to them. They should convert to you, but don't you ever convert to them. And that the problem with Israel was that they converted to the heated pagans around them. And God this, God judged them for that. And judged them. Don't you dare become like them. Don't you dare uh, adapt their ways. You want to know about Nehemiah? You know why they built a wall around the city? It's because to let in those that they wanted to when they wanted to and, and to keep out those that they want, didn't want in there. And on the Sabbath day, if you read the book of Nehemiah, they were coming in to sell fish and so forth in the market. And they, instead, of sell, instead of observing the Sabbath, he's like, don't you dare. He shut the door. You stay out there. You want to market? You can come back another day. But not, no, you're not doing it today. He shut the doors. He shut the doors. And in the ancient times of Israel, and you look in Deuteronomy, he says, the stranger that dwells among them, let him come and worship your God. Let them convert to you. Tell your stranger to come in. Tell the foreigners to come in. Tell them to come in. But they're coming in to be like you and to be, as Ruth said to, to, Naomi, to Naomi, your God will be my God. Wherever you dwell, I will dwell. 
But instead, the Christian is letting them in and adopting them like the, like the Catholic Church, adopting their customs. Oh, well, you know, we'll integrate. So, no, that's not what God said. Let there be a distinction. Let there be a distinction. We're not supposed to adopt their ways. They're supposed to be converted to us. And that's why you're different. They've left their first love. They're doing all these social works, which are nice, but they got away from me. He said, yeah, you're doing it. That's really good. But in its place, they substituted good works for their worship and love for God. Shouldn't be that way. He says to them in verse 14, Uh, let me see my five four thing. He says, You're the light of the world, the city that set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. That's stupid. That's that's you know contrary to the very purpose why you lit hit a candle. If I were to light this candle and put it under the table, what good does it do? If we had no electricity and I light this candle, it's so we can have some light in here. And we can have some warmth if we put a fire out when it's cold. But it's not, it's, it defeats the purpose of lighting a candle to hide it. But many Christians do that. Somebody asked me at work yesterday, I was at work, or was it yesterday or the day before? I came in, and Bianca, one of the dispatchers in, in the operations room, when I walked in to see what was going on, they said, George, don't you drink? My mother is the only one that drink. We have to drink to get by. I said, why should I drink? I said, I believe God. I trust God. You know, I don't need that. I don't need to do that in my life. I don't want to do that in my life. I believe God. I trust Him. And everybody heard me in there. They're like, ooh. I'm not going to say, well, you know, that's okay. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell them why I don't drink. I'm going to tell them I trust God. I believe God. Why do I need to do that to, to forget about the misery of life? I believe Him. I trust Him. That's where I'm going. And everybody in that operations room heard me. And if you need to be light where you're at. You need, they need to know that you're different and why you're different. If you're coming into God's kingdom, you're coming into the walls that He has set up. There's a separation. There's a division. There's a division. There was a wall. The walls that Nehemiah built were to, to distinguish between them out there and us in here. Today, people get upset. There is a distinction. And it was a reason. And it's not so much for anything other than to say, one day you're going to find out that there, were, there are walls in heaven and there are doors in heaven. But you know the crazy thing is, when you get to the end of the book, the doors are open. You know why? Because God did away with everything that would come in and defile the kingdom of God. The question is, are you a citizen of the kingdom of God? Have you believed Him? Have you worshipped Him? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? Do you belong in the city? Can you go in and out through the doors of the city because you belong there? Because the things of this world are a foreshadow of things to come. They're a foreshadow of things to come. People want to uh, obliterate it, say no walls, no divisions. God says, no, there are divisions. There are distinctions. There are. There are. And the reason you don't want the light is because you don't want things to be uncovered. They do it in the dark. It says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But under, on a candlestick, remember the candlestick in the book of Revelation, the candlestick is up high. Why? So that everybody can see the light and the light can shine everywhere. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now turn to John. 
Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. That's why when you come to a place, you either come to a place to adopt to it or to convert it. It's two things. There's only two things. Either you come to the church to convert unto what God is saying, or you come to, to, to convert the church to you. That's what one of the ladies told us last week, that somebody came to the church to basically indoctrinate by deceit and bring in false doctrine. So he says here in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 21. But this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Tell me, I mean, I, I've lived in the city since I was seven, eight years old. What's the main attraction of Vegas? The daytime or the night, night or nighttime? The nightlife or the daytime? Nighttime. The nightlife of Vegas. Why? Because that's when the lights come out of them to say pornography, uh, gambling, Whatever. That's their attraction. The nightlife. The, the saying in this city is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, it doesn't. God sees everything. God knows everything. So he says here, verse 19, he, This is the condemnation that lights come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And everyone that does evil hates the light because neither do they come to the light lest their deeds should be reproved or be corrected or be reprimanded. But he that does the truth comes to the light that, that his deeds may be made manifest or shown that they are wrought in God. You come to the light, basically you, you divulge that you are a Christian and so you tell everybody, hey, I'm in the light. I'm a Christian. But those, those people that do their deeds. I just found out something came to light recently at where I work. I would have never guessed. Some evil stuff, just perverse stuff that was going on amongst two people in, in, in the company. We had to bring a lawyer in. Breck, our general manager, had to go talk to a lawyer, sat down with a lawyer to figure out how to defend the company about, about what's going on that was just evolved so that we wouldn't get sued. But it was kept in the dark. It was kept secret. By two people in the company. The light is there to shine. In the book of Revelation, as we're reading through it, the, the, very, the very word, Apocalypse, Revelation is God's revealing things. He's not hiding anything. And as, he, as we go through the book of Revelation and we look at the churches, he's saying, are you representing the light? Are you fulfilling the purpose for which I established a church? If you're not, you better repent because I'm going to come take a candlestick from you. And I've told you yes last week about churches that disappeared that we've been to. No longer there. They're gone. The two of them I can think of specifically that their churches are gone. Gone. They closed the doors. At one time, many people were going there. They're gone. Why? What happened? When does God turn off a light on a church? When they're no longer fulfilling their purpose. The people scattered went other places. The ones that could care less about the Bible, who knows where they went. The ones that did found a good church. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
What time is it? 11.20. Okay. What time did we start, remember? I don't remember. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5. <clears throat> if our gospel is hid, if what we're teaching here is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. They can't see it. They're blinded. They spiritually are blind. In whom the God of this world, notice it says it's a little g, the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. He is the one that is worshipped by people. And people may not worship him directly, but they worship what he has set up as the centers of worship, sports, entertainment, um, diversion, possessions. That is what they worship. That is what they follow. And it, and it drugs, alcohol, whatever. That is what is the very center of their lives. And, and it may, even though they're not directly worshiping or say they're Satan worshipers, you know, well, I don't worship Satan, no, but you have, got, you have allowed Satan, the God of this world, to distract you from the worship of the one true God, and therefore you are worshiping what God wants you to worship, anything other than God. If you're worshiping anything other than God, you have basically fallen into Satan's trap. This basically is to withdraw you from the worship of the one true God who created you. Shine the light. Shine the light. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. So when pastor always says, tell the truth and shame the devil. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That's what's happened. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. You know what? So many pastors, you get to their church, and their, their name's on neon lights. Church, so, pastor so-and-so. Pastor so-and-so. That's why I refuse to have my name on a track here. I refuse to have my name on the door. Because it's not about me. It's not about Miguel. It's about Christ. It's about Him. But so many pastors are so famous, it's all, you know, it's, they're the center of the place. The apostles said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine in the darkness, or out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is a discovery. It's a revelation of the truth. And in this part of Revelation where we are talking about the churches, and it's super important that you understand that. Everybody sometimes wants to get to the judgments and the coming and the, 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 the diseases and the destruction. There's a reason God put the things in order in the book of Revelation that he did. Because where are you in the book of Revelation? Where are you? As we get toward the judgments, as we get toward the manifestation of his wrath on this world, what church do you belong to? What church are you in? And where's your heart? Where is it? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves. And this today, if anything, it says we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servant for his sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Are you shining in darkness? Has shined in our hearts? Has he shined in your hearts? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know why that girl today is lost in her perversion? Who's been given over to a reprobate mind because when she knew Christ, she glorified him not as Christ. 
When she, when she knew God, she didn't glorify him as God. But in her foolishness, turned the light and the truth into a lie and worshiped the creature more than the creator. And therefore God gave her over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are inconvenient. Men get men with men and women, even the women did leave the natural use of the woman and burn and lost one to the other. Romans chapter 1, we're living it today in this generation. As people leave the light and go to the darkness and embrace the darkness more than the light. And there are churches, and I'm sick sometimes of, of turning on my Christian radio stations that I have in my car and I have to turn them on thinking, this isn't Christian music, this is nonsense, this is stupid. You're just singing something to sing something and the, the stuff you're saying doesn't even glorify God. And you call it Christian. I'd like to call in sometimes and, you, and say, you, you call this Christian? You call this gospel? Are you kidding me? It's not. That's why I seek my own stuff. I put my own stuff on 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 my YouTube or whatever that I that I know glorifies God. The the, the worship songs that we listen to is SOS and K Love and Air One. Yeah, and those are some of the ones that play some. And I won't go there right now because it is age. Okay, so um, look at John chapter eleven. John chapter eleven. And we're going to close for today on this one, and then we'll go. John chapter 11, verse 10, and we'll take questions. And we've got more, but I won't go, I won't go there today. <clears throat> John chapter 11. 11, 10. Verse, let's go let's go to nine. Jesus answered, Are not there twelve hours in a day? And if any man walk in the day, he doesn't stumble, he stumbles not. But he because he sees the light of the world. I mean, you're not going to stumble in the day unless you're not paying attention, you're looking at somewhere else. But during the day you see everything clearly. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. So I remember walking through the woods of North Carolina deep in the dark nights by myself during a land navigation exercise. And when we finally, and when this was kilometers by kilometers by yourself in the dark and you could not shine a light anywhere. You couldn't shine a light, you had to navigate with a compass. And as you looked at the map, you could use a red lens to look at the map. And then look at where you're going, plot their distance, plot where you're going. And then in the night, in the dark, so that you couldn't be detected by enemy, is what you're trained to do, walk in the night. And I remember when we got to the rally point, one of the guys, is well, a Mexican kid, good good leader, he's a good infantry kid. Um, his name was Reyes, last name was Reyes. He came in, his eyes all patched up. What happened to you, man? It was I ran into the, a pine tree right in my eye, man, in the dark, because you couldn't see where he's going. The navigate in the dark, it's not easy. I remember tripping over stuff in the night because you're you're walking around and there's logs on the ground, there's pitfalls, there's swamps. You're by yourself in the night and they're teaching you to navigate in the night. Well, guess what happens in the night? You trip, you run into things. In the, in the middle of Panama, there's what's what's called the, um, the black palm. And it's a long, long... Um, I guess it would be like, a, it's not really a tree, but it's this long wooden pole. And there are spikes coming out of it like this. 
you actually walking through the jungle, moving things out of your way, and you hit that, it's coming through your glove, it's coming through your hand. It's messed up. You can see it in the day. You can see black palm. Look it up later on. Black palm in the jungles of Panama. You do, you mess with it at night. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to navigate at night in the jungles. You're gonna get black palm. You're gonna go run into stuff. That's why he says people walk in the lights. What's the application? We'll close with that for now. The application is this. When you walk in the dark or you walk in the councils of this world whose emphasis is not the love of God, but the love of the things of the world, as he was telling that church, you're going to trip on things. You're going to lose your way. And you're going to become adapted to the philosophies and mentalities of this world. As we get closer to the actual, what they call the apocalypse, that are the actual events that are coming, and they're very, very manifested today, you see them around the world happening. We could leave at any second. The trump could sound and the rapture could happen any second. We could be gone. But as we get deeper, deeper into the darkness, people that don't have the light of, of the gospel in them, and there's one verse I didn't write to you or didn't tell you. Um, you know what? For sake of it, look at Second Peter chapter 1. You'll need this. Second Peter chapter 1, you're going to need this. Where do I get the light? Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 20. Verse 19. He's telling, he's telling you, Christian. He's talking to you. If you're a Christian, he says, we. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. So people are going to tell you all kinds of stuff. But we have also a more sure. You found it? Yeah. Help him. First, or I'm sorry, yeah, First Peter. Sorry, what did I say? Second Peter, chapter one, verse twenty. All right. Got it. Okay. It says verse Peter. It says we have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure why? Just like you asked me about dreams and so forth. There's nothing to base it on, but here you have something very solid to base it on. You have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. Listen to it and pay attention and do it. As unto, here it is, a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In a dark time of the philosophy of men trying to distract men, this is a light. This tells you the truth. This shines a light on what's right and what's wrong. And you do well to take heed to it. Because there is no private interpretation. Some people say, well, you can't understand. It's too deep. Well, yes, you can. If you belong to Christ and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, yes, you can. You grow. And, and we don't have time to go over it. We've already done it. But there's an unction given to you by the Spirit of God that you can tell this is right or this is wrong. But if you choose to follow 
the darkness of this world, the philosophies of this world, you will grow confused. You will go disorient yourself instead of pointing yourself in the right direction. When I was land navigating, I remember I failed miserably the first time. Failed miserably. I lost in the jungles, uh, excuse me, the, 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 uh, the forest. At one time, I ended up in a swamp, chest deep in a swamp full of water moccasins during the season. And I was, this, I was in this swamp in North Carolina, chest deep in water, had a rucksack on in my back, weighted down. That was pretty stupid because if I sink, nobody's going to pull me out. It was in the dark. But I remember when I finally learned to trust the compass. And I remember plotting my directions on the map and knowing to understand what the different contours were, what they meant on the map, on a military topographical map, and I could understand it now. And I remember plotting my directions around certain things and through certain things to get from point A to point B. And I remember being so deep in these woods, so deep, and it was night. I'm thinking, no, I, I was so strong. I can't explain to you how strong it was. I need to go that way. But my compass was saying, no, I go this way. And I set the bevel on my compass to, to basically keep in that direction. But it was so strong that the, this, it was so strong to go this direction. And, and the compass said, go that direction. And they trained us, and they trained us, and they trained us, and they trained us. Trust the compass. And so against what I felt was right, I trusted the compass and I got to where I was going. In the middle of the dark, in the middle of the woods, in deep, 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 what they call wait a minute vines, I got to where I was going because I trusted the compass. This is your compass. This is a light in the darkness. What it tells you, if you listen and you follow, you will be in the light. If this church, if this church follows this, they will be in the light. But if this church starts to go away of the other churches that we will see, God, God has promised to put out the candle, the candlestick. So it's very important that we cover these, these parts of the book of Revelation because they're important for us to understand as we go forward. Just as when you're a kid, you learn 1 and 1 is 2, 2 and 2 is 4. And you progress up to a, what you can probably understand that I could never understand in trigonometry and algebra or anything else that you do or have done. I don't know if anybody else is good at that. I'm definitely not. But you can't get there unless you take those steps. And as we progress through the book of Revelation, we need to understand the importance of every chapter as we get toward the finish. Because when you get toward the end, your journey will have taken you through a lot of understanding and knowledge to make you to comprehend why those things were in place, the church, the teachings, the doctrines, etc. This world will disorient you. Stay true to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you've given us, the Word, the truth. Thank you that you have, in my own life, brought me through a lot of dense forests in the dark where I didn't understand things. And, and thank you for continuing to pull me in, in your direction. I ask you for those that are here, I ask you for those that are under the roof of this church, that this church would always be like the church that we're going to read about later on, the Church of Philadelphia. Whereas you didn't rebuke them about anything, they were exactly what you wanted them to be. They weren't very big, they weren't very strong, 
but they were exactly what you wanted them to be. Help us to be like that church. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay. Kind of questions? Anything? I got one. Go ahead. With the churches, um, I know they're like both equal, but like, what is a little bit more important? Either worship or the teaching. Because I went to this church and they focused more on worship. Like they used their money more on, like instead of buying Bibles for everybody, for everyone to have, like I know we have here, mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't have one, but they spent their money more on like equipment for instruments, like a lot of money. And they like invested in that a lot. Their teachings was good, but like they were more, you could totally tell that they were more focused. Pentecostal, is it? Uh, say it again? Is it Pentecostal? No, it was um, a ministry. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. And I'll answer your question with a question. If you are stranded on a desert island, there's nobody around, there's nothing around, and you don't have any instruments, you don't have any paraphernalia to, to worship God, but you know Christ, you've learned the teachings and they're in your heart, and now you know the true God and you can worship the true God. Is God going to judge you because you don't have those instruments? You don't have the band and you don't have the worship team? No. When God created Adam and Eve, what did he give them? Knowledge. What did they have? What was what would they have? What did they have? Think. Nothing physically. Exactly, nothing. They were naked. There were no houses. There were no shelters. There's no bands. There was no instruments. There was nothing. But there was God. There was God. And he instructed them because he tell, he, he, it tells us, he told them you can eat of everything here, but not this. And so it doesn't tell us everything he taught them, but he did teach them. It's called doctrine. It's called teaching. It's called instruction. So if God didn't put that there... How important was it? Not as important as other things. Exactly. You have to ask yourself, if God allowed for John, the disciple, to be on the island of Patmos without anything else, there was no worship team, there was no choirs, there was nothing, but in his heart, the things that he had heard Jesus teach him, and he worshipped in the day, that day, says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, that means he was worshiping God, but the, by through knowledge of what he was, who he is. So you tell me. Because you can worship, but there's a lot of people worship, they don't know what they're worshiping. But you can't worship God unless you worship him in what? Spirit and in what? Truth. Exactly. So if you don't know the truth, you can't worship him in truth. How do you get the truth? Exactly. 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 So, when a church emphasizes buying things and things more than the teaching of God's Word, compare that to the light of what Jesus gave us in the, in the Great Commission. What did He tell us in the Great Commission? Follow Him. And all His teaching. Right? Read it. Look it up. Look it up. Matthew chapter uh, 28. And it starts in verse 19. Look it up and read it.
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What else? And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Where's the praise band? Where's the instruments? Nowhere. What did he tell them to do? To obey the commands. How do you learn them? By teaching them. And what did he tell, tell them to do with those commands? What else did he tell them to do with it? To obey them to the very end. And you know what else? Uh, Can you teach somebody else what you don't know? Oh, no. So what did he tell them to do? Uh, go and make disciples to all nations. Exactly. How do you make disciples? By teaching them. Exactly. Okay. That's how the Jews think. Yes, that's how they teach by asking questions and you get down when you ask yourself the layers of questions you get down to the essence of the very the very essence of the subject okay yeah you ask yourself a series of questions and you get to the essence of the subject that's your question yeah <laughs> so Jesus turned water into wine was he okay with people drinking wine at that wedding sure or else he would have made it Again, you put it in the context of what was happening, okay? When he made that, that wine, it doesn't tell us if it was fermented or not. Okay, in the Old Testament, it says the pure blood of the grape. What is the pure blood of the grape? The pure blood of the grape? That means it's fresh. It's just been pressed. It's fresh. It's tart. It doesn't tell us if it was fermented wine or not that I know of, okay? And he did give us wine in its place, okay? He even told Timothy, drink a little wine for your many ailments of your stomach. There is a problem, though, with people that will take that to the excess, okay? Jesus said all things in moderation. But then he also says there, there's the good, there's the best, and there's the worst. The good is, yeah, you can partake of it. The best is don't partake of it at all. Because in the book of Habakkuk, it goes into those that are there and become like debauchery. They're throwing up. They're, now they're drunks. They've lost all control. And he even told them to certain, to the Nazarites, he says, you're not partaking of it at all. Don't even, don't even eat grapes. He says, you maintain yourself separated. And then he told the others, he says, don't you drink wine or strong drink because you, per you begin to pervert the righteousness and, and you begin to per pervert justice because now you can't think right. So he did allow it. There is no prohibition. But you have to ask yourself, do I want to be okay or do I want to be the best? Do I want to keep myself from something that can destroy me? When I was younger, I was their age. I drank did some things I shouldn't have done. And I can never say that anything good came of it, ever. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm surprised I'm alive over one situation that happened in my life that I'm not going to divulge right here. I was with some people that were that was really stupid. And only by the mercy of God am I sitting here alive right now. Only by the mercy of God. And I look back back then, I'm like, only by the mercy of God. And my life, and I'm not a road mark on this desert road back here going to Lake Mead as you go to Lake Mead you go back into the canyons only by the mercy and grace of God am I not remembered by a cross and a, a shrine on the side of the road only by the grace of God 
Okay? So you do what you can stand to do. But there's a man out there that can tell you that it almost killed him. And today he's not the same man. Today he's a completely different man. So you do what you can stand to do. Because when that takes over your mind, it takes over your actions, it takes over your judgments, and basically eventually takes over your life. Some people can drink in moderations in their cultures, they do, but you have to ask yourself, is it something that will and can take over my life and destroy my life? And so when they asked me this week, and the general manager sitting next to me goes, you don't drink, do you? I said, no, I don't drink. He knows I don't drink. But in front of everybody, they're sitting there in this, in this said, no, I don't drink. And so he got everybody else something with alcohol in it. He didn't get that from me. He got me something else. Why? Because he knows where I stand. I come to the light with what I do. I come to the light with who I am. What else? Answer your question? Yeah. So I, was, I was thinking that too. Like, what if it wasn't alcoholic? You know? I, mean, I guess some people at the party expected it to be expected it uh, it doesn't tell us whether it was or wasn't maybe you can look in the Greek and whatever and check it but he did provide for it just like you can say he provided for a divorce but he also has a disclaimer for that they asked him hey can we get a divorce he said yeah Moses said we can get a divorce he says yeah we can get a divorce for this reason he says but that's not the best thing because in the beginning God said like this God said this, this is the this is el principio, this is the principle of it all. He said he allowed divorce because of the hardness of your heart. Okay, so is your heart hardened? You have to ask yourself. And, and if there's a situation where he allows it, okay. But the best thing is not. It's not condemning you if you've been divorced. We've got a, a friend in Texas that I didn't know was divorced. She's getting remarried. I'm like, I didn't know she was divorced. And then she told me, yeah, this is I didn't know. Christian loves God, testimony. There's no allowance for it. If you can't help it, you can't help it. If you're, you know, ex or whatever, that's that's a whole different situation. But from the decision of an individual, God says there's a better way, whether it's alcohol or whatever. You have to go back to, to the G teachings that Jesus gave us, and you have to ask yourself, is this the best way? Oh, there's a way, but is it the best way? I can tell you three or four different ways to get to the other side of town. Some people would say, well, there's a better way. There's other ways, but what's the way? That's not saying there's other ways to get to heaven. There isn't any. Okay? There's only one way. Jesus said, now that, there's only one way. There's only one door. Okay, answer your question. Yeah. A long time ago, we went to um, a park, and we drank some water from the... So we were reading the, the sign... So you could drink the water. So we found, I think we drank the water. Or it tastes like normal water. And it tastes like normal water. Okay, good. Well, some waters are good. Some waters are contaminated with all kinds of bacteria. So I have to be careful. Uh, my, dad, my dad said, I think it was really from the no, always look at the source. Yeah, always look at the source. Absolutely. Careful what you drink because you don't know what's in it. Man. That's true. It tastes like normal water. Good. 
know, in China, they drink their water like nearly boiling hot. Remember when I was there, I was asking for water, and they came, brought it out hot every time. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so you don't get infected? Exactly. Yeah, so it's better for your stomach. Yeah. Like, I people, just, it was just new to me. People from here, you go to, you're used to drinking this water, you go to like, uh, Mexico, or you go to um, like other countries that all drink their water that they're used to drinking, and it'll make you sick because your body's just not used to it. So the only way to, uh, to um, what is it, just not have that risk is just boil it. Because your body builds up a certain resistance to certain amoebas and so forth in the water. The first time I came back from North Carolina, and I was used to the water here from growing up, but. I've been living now in North Carolina for a while. I came back here, drank water out of the sink, sick to my stomach. Matter of fact, there's your, your dead mom's house. <laughs> drank out of the faucet. Like, boom. <laughs> you said something about uh, putting it in copper or something, right? Copper, copper is a, um, um, a element that destroys germs. It destroys it. Because it has a, a atom, and I don't remember the scientific name, but if, if you look up copper on the web, antibacterial, antiviral, it, it, it goes forever. How, how good it is as an antiviral, antipathogen, antibacterial. Uh, well, like, how does that work? Yeah. Huh? You just put it in the cup and drink it for I have I When this uh, thing came out with uh, COVID, I told her, order three, one for me, you and Hannah. And I got my son, so I told everybody, just drink water, don't put juices and stuff because the acids will, will bleach and all of a sudden you get toxic. But just plain water, not all the time. Uh, but copper destroys germs. In hospitals long ago, they used to have all copper railings, copper brass doors because it destroys germs. Stainless steel doesn't. If you, some people actually take a rod of of copper, a real thin one. Be careful, it's not sharp. And they stick in their nose and rub it around. Take your nose, rub it around. Why? Because it kills the germs. I'm, copper in the Old Testament. If you look at when the uh, Persians, when the Persians, when you, Babylonians took away everything in the temple, the, the Bible says there was so much bronze they couldn't measure it all. Everything was made of bronze. Bronze is mostly copper, made with other alloys. And so not, no kind of germs were living there. None. And so at home, I don't, I'm not afraid of COVID. I have uh, chloroxygen at home. Chloroxygen is a chlorophyll whose nucleus or molecular center has been, been replaced with copper. And so I, the chlorophyll oxygenates your system, brings your pH up, that means bacteria can't grow there. And then on top of that, you get a copper. When I start getting sick, chloroxygen, whoop, done. I'm, that's why I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm just not. I, I've, I've learned and I've studied enough to say I'm, I'm not. I'm not immortal. I'm not immune to everything. But I've learned there are certain things that God's given us to fight things. If you, if you don't, what happens is, if you protect yourself too much, like too many people are doing, you actually begin to lose your ability to resist germs. And all of a sudden, what happens is when you all of a sudden you take away, okay, all the coast is clear. Well, you may not get sick from COVID. You're going to get sick from something else because your defenses are now down. Your immunities are gone. That's like if you don't exercise for like, let's say it's six months, and you go out there try to exercise. You're like, can't. You're, you have, don't have the endurance anymore. 
You don't have the strength. You don't have the, the fitness. And so as you expose yourself to certain things, obviously you don't want to eat you know, a bunch of germs, but as you expose yourself to things, you build up your defenses. Uh, Hannah, when she was a little girl, it was easy. It was, she never got sick. We didn't give her a bunch of uh, 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 inoculations. She sat in the dirt playing with the dog all the time. In the dirt, barefoot, playing in the dirt. And when we go outside, something like that. Hardly ever get sick. Because you're always exposing your body to things and your, your body's building up defenses. That's why people that are these days all like a boy in the bubble, their defenses are gone. And oh, we're going to get a vacuna and a vacuna, and pretty soon your body has no defenses. You go out there and now you can get sick on anything. I expose myself to all kinds of stuff. I'm not, I don't have a death wish. Oh yeah, breathe on me. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But I'm not going to sit there and hide myself away. And now my defenses are gone. I can never go out because the moment I go out, I'm going to get sick. I don't do that. That's why a lot of the, especially right now, everybody's buying the hand sanitizer and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And there's, oh, it kills 99.9% of bacteria. It kills the good ones too. So <laughs> they got people that are rubbing them on their hands, you know, 10, 15 times a day. And now, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you're, you feel sick every day because everything you touch yeah, you got good bacteria. The chloroxygen he has, where he's talking about killing all bacteria, it helps your body balance out. It kills the bad ones and helps protect the good ones. It doesn't just kill everything. Not all bacteria is bad. Mm. You have bacteria in your mouth to help you dissolve your food. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of people don't understand. It's like oh, I'm gonna kill all the bacteria and they start <laughs> spraying Lysol in their mouth and bathing <laughs> in, in hand sanitizer and. Like, oh, I'm so uh, I'm so healthy. I'm never gonna get sick. I've killed everything. I'm like, yeah, well, mm -hmm. yeah. Now you're gonna drink water and that little 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 speck of chlorine that's in there that they pump the water with here in Vegas to clean out all the dead body water. Uh, that one little speck of uh, chlorine that's left is gonna, gonna kill you because your body has no defenses. I, I actually eat bacteria on purpose. <clears throat> I, yeah, I do. I, I, I eat kimchi. What's that? Kimchi is a Korean... I'm sure you know what kimchi it's is. It's like Korean salsa. It's uh, But it's made from fermented cabbage, radishes, garlic, um, ginger. And so it puts good bacteria in your in your system. It's called probiotics. Like, like when you eat yogurt and stuff like that, you're putting good bacteria in your system. That's actually where a lot of your defenses are, where your immunities are. And so you don't have good gut bacteria, you get candida. Candida is a, a fungal infection, all kinds of things. And so, but people are listening to the news all the time, they're floating listening to the one thing, and they're like, oh. Mm. Daddy, things tired. Fermented cabbage and sauerkraut. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's sauerkraut. So I love making good Reuben sandwiches. Yep. I don't like sauerkraut. You, you made it basically, it, it sounds gross, but if you get it done right, it's actually not. What is it? Uh, kimchi? Kim yeah. Kimchi. Kimchi. Um, I, I, I've only had it once, and it was uh, I was working for a guy uh, that does conventions. Open the door so they know we're, we're, we're done. Go ahead. Just that, so they know we're done. Go ahead. Go ahead, but keep, keep saying what? Yeah. Uh, so I worked with a guy that uh, was doing conventions or whatever, and he was like, uh, let's, go, let's get some food uh, or whatever. 